Welcome to the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening and supporting Public Radio. On Saturday morning in the kitchen at El Bagel on Miami's Upper East Side, Cheryl Crow was on the speaker singing about doing what makes you happy when everything is wrong. Madison Coach and his employees were busy making more than 800 bagels at the time. The baker was scooping fresh bagels from the steamer using a big handheld strainer, capturing three at a time as he transferred them into a tray. And another batch of hand-rolled uncooked bagels awaited their steam bath. Music was playing, bagels were swirled in sesame seeds, people were working, and business was underway. But this was not what Coach had planned for just a few weeks ago. We opened three weeks ago, so we were just getting our feet wet in in how to run the the operation in general, and then to kind of flip it on its head after uh, just two, three weeks of being a team was was really something. After running a popular food truck for a couple of years, Coach rented a storefront a year ago and began planning for a permanent location. But a week ago, before restaurants were ordered closed except for takeout and delivery, Coach made the decision to keep the public out of his bagel shop while still selling bagels. We discussed kind of how it worked logistically, you know, where where the, uh, the point of sale would be, how the pickup would work, how everything would get packaged, what the menu would look like, how it would affect just the customer experience in general. Um, and then we launched it the next day. So yeah, things, things kind of happened really quickly. <laughs> they certainly did. In a week, South Florida's economy has ground to a virtual halt. Except for takeout, restaurants and bars are closed. Most hotels are closed. Beaches and parks, closed. Movie theaters, gyms, non-essential businesses, boat ramps, closed in the effort to fight the spread of COVID-19. The quick action has led to a sharp end to business. Thousands have been laid off. Thousands more have had their hours cut, their pay cut, as all kinds of companies and workers scramble to adjust to the economic casualties of the COVID-19 response. My name is Diane Garriga. I'm 24 years old and I was a bartender. My name is Kevin Orozco. I'm 26 years old. I work for Buya Gastro Bar and I'm a service manager. My name is Natalia Garcia and I am a supervisor at a hotel in South Beach. I am currently unemployed. It does take an emotional toll because um, we don't know what's going to happen next. My GM sent us a group chat message to all the bartenders just letting us down. So we closed down last Tuesday. We usually work 55-hour work weeks. Um, at the moment, we don't really need to be in the restaurant for 55 hours a week. So instead of our normal 55 hours, we're looking at 35 hours a week now. I do um, rent. And right now, my rent, you know, we have to pay every month, of course. And I do have a roommate she also works in in the industry she works actually for two different bars and both bars of course they're closed and for me working in the hotel we don't know what we what we're gonna do next every day like things kind of get worse so right now I'm just taking it one day at a time I did call my credit card companies and like you know my car insurance and kind of asked if I could defer even if it's just for a month while I figure it out um, I know that Publix and I think Sedano's and maybe Amazon is hiring. So I'm going to look into kind of those things, but also it's just scary because I want to stay safe and I don't want to put my family in jeopardy. 
by going out and working and then potentially getting sick, you know? Honestly, it's uh, I'm really worried. You know, I know the the whole coronavirus is something very serious, but I'm more worried, you know, financially speaking, because I have a mortgage. I have a $2,100 mortgage a month. My girlfriend, she worked at the Ritz-Carlton and uh, Kibi Skane, and she also got let, uh, laid off. Right now, um, I'm trying to stay, you know, as much as I can busy, and I'm working out at home. I'm watering my plants every single day, just, you know, finding things that, you know, keep me entertained. That way I don't think about my work situation. I guess my biggest... Uh thing is I don't want to lose my car so kind of just making enough money to pay my car and my car insurance and I guess my phone bill and then I don't know everything else I guess we'll see what happens. Diane Garriga, Kevin Orozco and Natalia Garcia just three of the thousands of people thrown into economic uncertainty because of COVID-19. For coach at El Bagel like so many other restaurant owners he has pivoted to takeout in the effort to keep his business afloat he has harnessed technology, putting his bagel business online. The first day, I think we got 40 or 50 orders uh, within the first like 20 minutes. And kind of it's like live DJing almost on how to uh, change the wait time because it goes from 15 minutes to 45 minutes uh, in just a matter of, uh, of 10, 20 minutes. The store puts a morning message on Instagram when it's ready to take orders. Customers use El Bagel's website and pay online. They then get a text message when their food is ready. You know, we've only been open three weeks, so it's kind of hard to compare. Sales are a little down. Uh, I would say around 30%. Uh, you know, we're not selling as many drinks, not as many coffees as we usually would. We're selling a, a few more like bulk bagel orders than our retail sandwiches. But you know what? The, the sales that are coming through in the business is 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 enough to keep uh, us alive and keep all our staff on board for the time being. And we, at this point, are going to be able to sustain for the near future, at, at the least. Gone are the lines at the counter. There's no one inside the shop except for employees. Baking and making sandwiches, bagging the orders, and walking bags of bagels to a folding table that's set up just inside the front door. The front door is open. People come up from outside one at a time, standing at least six feet away, and get their orders. It's such a silent transaction, the pickup when it's seamless. So when, when the pickup time is, is on point and the customer comes at the right time and they just grab their bag and they get out, it's a seamless, you know, three-second transaction with almost, you know, ten words. On Saturday, El Bagel made about 850 bagels. They were sold out in two hours, and they finished making the orders at noon, then getting ready to come back the next morning. Still to come, the place where countless people have gone to celebrate a milestone hosts a historic shutdown of Miami's restaurant industry. Basically, there would be lots of noise. Hopefully, all the seats would be filled. You'd hear the, the shells from the stone crabs being dropped in the buckets, the clanking. But that's not what's going on right now. Welcome back to the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks again for listening and supporting public radio. 
You can see and read all of our WLRN COVID-19 coverage by going to WLRN.org slash coronavirus. That's WLRN.org slash coronavirus. When Miami-Dade County decided to close restaurants except for takeout and delivery, it made the announcement at a quintessential South Florida dining room, Joe's Stone Crab in South Beach. At the time, the county was going further than the state of Florida in deciding to close restaurant tables and chairs and shut down bars. Fort Lauderdale made a similar decision, and by Friday, the state ordered restaurant dining rooms to close in Broward and Palm Beach counties, too. Stephen Saywitz is the fourth-generation owner of Joe's. We spoke with him via FaceTime, and I asked him to describe what Joe's dining room would normally look and sound like. Well, it would be a weeknight. Uh, we would have approximately 40 servers or so in the dining room with about 12 to 15 bussers and maybe three or four bartenders in different locations and just bustling with customers uh, at the bar waiting. The valet station would be busy where the, the cars pull up. But basically, there would be lots of noise. Hopefully, all the seats would be filled. You'd hear the, the shells from the stone crabs being dropped in the buckets, the clanking of that. And uh, lots of action, a beehive of activity, laughter and excitement. But that's not what's going on right now. Yeah, now what will it sound like tonight? Uh, the lights uh, in the main dining room are out. The chairs are turned up on top of the tables. Uh, there's nobody here except at our takeaway. The main dining room is quiet. The kitchen is quiet, the main kitchen. And there's very few cars except for the takeaway. Are you closed for the season now? Well, we're closed indefinitely. I mean, if, if we get the order to reopen, we certainly would open our front doors uh, to the public and, and hopefully be able to call all our employees back. What are your plans for your employees? How large of a staff would you have if the dining room would remain open compared to just the takeout staff that you have? Well, there would be not just, okay, not just the dining room, but the laundry would be in operation. Uh, both lunch and dinner shifts would be in operation. There would be over, well over 300 people. And I, I haven't mentioned the fact that our fisheries, which is a huge component of the family business, which is, you know, directly connected to the, to the restaurant where we get our stone crabs from. You know, there's 80 people at Keys Fisheries alone and there's 20 some odd fishermen. And then at Ernest Hamilton stone crabs, there's another, you know, 12 fishermen and uh, people working to process the crabs. So we have well north of 425 employees. Okay, we do keep, again, we keep the takeaway open. We have about 45 staff of just hourly employees working uh, almost uh, seven days a week now because of the takeaway and because of our FedEx shipping business that we do. The vast majority of the people are going to get uh, a two-week paid, um, you know, uh, a payroll. We're going to get uh, operate our payroll for everybody for two weeks. We have to take care of our employees. Nobody will lose their health insurance at all. So health insurance will continue to get paid indefinitely? Absolutely, one way or the other, because we have to make sure that our employees are covered. That's, that's you know, that's just, to me, that's mandatory. And do they pay for any of their health care? They do contribute to the health care, but whatever they fall short because they're not bringing in income, we will make up to, you know, to them 
uh, those monies and they can pay it back over time. And in terms of staffing, it sounds like you're going from fully staffed for everything on the supply chain, 450 people, down to about 10% of that, 45 to operate the takeout? Uh, yes, for both lunch and dinner, seven days a week, we'll be at about 45 people. So a 90% reduction in your yes. headcount because of these Correct. decisions. It's unfortunate. It's terrible. Joe's experienced the 1918 influenza pandemic. The restaurant opened Correct. in 1913. It experienced the Great Depression in 1929 through the early 30s. How are those in the institutional DNA of the business? I believe that we have adapted, you know, being uh, a resilient kind of a restaurant, we've adapted to these huge, you know, uh, diseases and depressions and world wars. We've just learned to do it. Now, you know, our business model has, has been shaped by these events. Not to also remember that the stone crab season is a seven-month season. So for many years... We were closed for five months out of the year, so we know the ins and outs of being open. Now, granted, we do open a little bit in the summer, but those numbers and those counts are drastically less than during the main season, which is October to May. So we have learned, our fishermen have learned, our management has learned how to adapt. How, hopefully, everybody budgets well, but you can't get too far ahead of yourself. Steve, you know this industry very well. You know it here in South Florida. It's such a bedrock industry for the economy and a huge source of employment. What do owners and employees need right now? Well, we do need uh, unemployment uh, to be paid quicker and faster than, than it has in the past, and it needs to be extended by more than just 12 weeks. They were talking about getting it up to 20 weeks. They have to speed that process up, and Congress has to get that done, and the states have to get it done. From your perspective, running and growing the successful business enterprise that Joe's has become over the course of generations, what could the restaurant industry look like here in South Florida in a month or six months? And I know that the world is full of so much uncertainty and zero visibility when it comes to business. But this unprecedented shutdown really to almost zero when it comes to the dining experience in Dade County. Well, Tom, I believe that the, the best case scenario doesn't even look that good, honestly. We are disproportionately um, loaded with restaurants, bars, hotels. You know, just look at Disney. Look at uh, the cruise ship industry. Those are hotels as well, and they're food and beverage. You know, our airports, everything, you know, where all the food and beverages and Miami Beach and look at Miami even. Miami is loaded with hotels. Okay, we have a, you know, a very nice renovated convention center. We're dependent on all these people. Not only are the, would the hotels and all those people be, be hurt, but the, the suppliers to these hotels, the farmers that supply uh, and the seafood wholesalers that supply them, all these people are going to be affected. The truckers will be affected. I mean, it could become really bad. It really could. Does Joe's have the financial wherewithal to weather this uncertainty brought on by the virus? It certainly depends on how, how long this goes on. We have to save our money. We have we have cash in the bank, but we have huge expenses. We're going to weather it as far as we can 
you know, and as long as it can, as we can. And if we're not profitable, it, pro- it went to the right people. You know, if we're not, then our employees, they're going to end up with it. You know, if, if I, if I don't take any K1 distribution, that's the way it is. If my mother doesn't, that's the way it is. K1 is a, is a profit. But eventually, if, you know, if the profit gets eaten up, it gets eaten up. That's the way it goes. And we'll borrow if we have to borrow from the bank. And we'll borrow if we have to borrow from the family. Steve Saywitz is the chief operating officer of Joe's Stone Crab Restaurant in South Beach. Still to come, a small and young restaurant holds on to hope as it shifts its business entirely. I called my landlord to let him know, you know, this month might be tough. He said, well, we'll speak back in two weeks to see what's going on. This is the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. Thanks again for listening this week. I'm Tom Hudson. When Edgar Leal and his wife moved to Miami from New York, his last name kind of changed. I guess uh, it was always a New York Leal, but then in Miami it came to be Leal now, like like it is in Spanish. But but that's that was a Miami thing. <laughs> he pronounces the restaurant that bears his name with the Miami pronunciation, Leal Bistro. It opened in Wynwood about a year ago. We reached him late last week in the early evening while he was in his dining room. It fit 50 people, but was empty. We have a lot of light, and and it's uh, we're we're working now in the kitchen, but but the restaurant is completely. It's just like empty chairs and empty and and empty street because the street like like this you can hear the echo bounce off the walls in the empty right room. No Chef, thanks for joining us on WLRN. Tell us. How are operations? Are you able to take advantage of uh, the ability to still sell takeout food? I kind of saw this coming, not that we had to close. I saw like uh, less people coming into a restaurant. So I changed the menu. I changed the menu to more like uh, it's not that we're selling our menu as a takeout. What I did is that I did a new menu that's more about home food that I sell like in, in, in pounds and liters. And so, so that will make things, and it's more like home comfort food, and and, and that's what has worked for me the, these days, actually. Give us a sense of what that menu looks like, and is this ready to eat meals that folks can pick up and take yes. home? Yes, they're ready to eat. Like we have chicken soup, we we have shredded beef, we have white rice, we have black beans, we 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 have lentil soup, we have lasagna, beef lasagna, salmon lasagna and lamb lasagna and but, but but we're more like doing it that to order like like people call us and 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 we have them ready four hours later or or the day after so it's done really at the minute it it's not done like prior you 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 call first chef you've had to pivot here in a very fast time how have you been able to handle that what has that meant for instance for your employees well um we're a very small staff people. We're, we're just six people here. So, of course, we're doing less hours, but we're trying to give the most, like, like equally the same amount of, of, of hours. Like, whoever came today, it's not coming tomorrow. Of course, they'll have 
we'll have like a short of like maybe maybe half of the hours that we did. Like if we did weekly 40 or 35 hours, we will be doing only like 20, 25. That, that's it. So how significant have the cuts been in hours to your regular employees? In other words, how many hours were they working just a month ago and how many hours can they get in now? They were working like 35 hours and now they're up to 25 and that's going to hurt them a lot really it's uh, but but they're all like we we had a meeting once we got the news and we kind of like understand that that's what's happening it's not just here it's just like everywhere so so we have to like deal with that what have sales been like have you had customers call and order your to-go meals yes we we had people that that orders but we are selling maybe uh, 25% of what we re- regularly se- sell. So, so it's a big hurt, but, uh, like I told my wife, it's not us. It's just like, it's what's happening. So we just have to deal with it like the best we can and try to be like as patient and, and really calm because there's a lot of, I don't know if you've noticed, Tom, that there's, there's a lot of stress out. So we have to calm down. I, I told my staff they made a big mistake and I told them, you know what? It's not normal to, to make mistakes at this moment because we're all with all these things in our head that's normal. So just let's not bother for, of that. Chef, that's very philosophical for you from the kitchen. You're absolutely right. There's a lot of anxiety and a lot of nervousness because there's just zero visibility about what the next day, certainly the next week, is going to bring. Yes, yes, definitely. And, you know, this moment, like, uh, people are very anxious, so so we need a lot of patience, all of us. As a a restaurateur, uh, that is smart guidance, certainly. As a business person... Your patience can all run about as far as your financial wherewithal to uh, deal with what's happening here. How how have you been operating with that? What does that look like for you? Really, I call my landlord to let him know. You know, this month might be tough, and we call over we we, we call all the people that that. that what the that, landlord that, say that to have, you, chef? What was that uh, conversation like? That, well, he, he he's a good landlord. He said, well. We'll speak back in two weeks to see what's going on, but 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 two weeks like, will like, be right around the first of April. I imagine yes. rent is due around the first of the month, huh? Rent is due on on the fifth, so 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 I'll have four five days, but but I think uh, I'm optimistic. Other than your landlord, chef, what about conversations with your suppliers? Oftentimes, it will, I imagine, be uh, credit that you are using in order to get supplies to make the meals yeah well we do but 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 it's very short and 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 we really like uh short credit meaning you've got about 30 days to pay those bills in order to no no i've always worked with very short like seven days so because the thing is that in 2008 my wife and i we had we we were very very hurt with with the restaurant we had here was cacao. And since then, we became very, like, conservative people with what we own. So so we were always, like, almost, like, almost all the things I have here, it's paid. Our main expense here is basically labor and and rent. We buy our things ourselves, and we get good prices. And what 
we, we try to sell as fast the things that we buy. It's, it, it's very fresh. You're not buying your supplies on credit necessarily then? You're paying cash for them? Yes, we are. Actually, we are less uh, six days to wine and, and that's it. We, we, we've, we've always paid cash. It's kind of cheaper that way when you're a really small family-run business like, like ours. Have you been able to get supplies? Have you had any difficulty resupplying over the past uh, week or so? No, 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 we haven't really. We still have the places we go to buy, they, they, they still have things. They have the ingredients that you want to make yes. the menu you've put yes. together here. Yes. Chef, have you had to lay off any employees, let them go entirely? No, 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 no. No, I'm, uh, we're a very small family team. We're five, and no, I, I didn't. Well, one of the chefs has worked for me for seven years, and, and the other has worked more than, than a year. And, and my wife, she's worked with me for 19 years, and so <laughs> we're stuck there. <laughs> Prior to this, did you do takeout business? We had it, but we never worked on it that much, and... Once this is over, we'll have another business. Like, I, I might leave this other menu that it wasn't there before that's more like a takeout menu. And now it's your lifeline, right? Yes, completely. Completely. Speaking with Edgar Leal, chef and owner of Leal Bistro in Wynwood. Still to come, making tough decisions to survive right now. We need to, to be able to... Um, to come out on the other side of this uh, with a company still. We're back on the Sunshine Economy. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks again for listening and supporting WLRN. You can see and read all of our WLRN COVID-19 coverage by going to WLRN.org slash coronavirus. A. Bing grew up in the restaurant business. His parents came to South Florida from Hong Kong and opened Canton Chinese Restaurant in Coral Gables in 1973. A generation later, Ng opened Sushimaki with his wife. It had grown into a thriving catering, restaurant, and counter business, including kiosks and Whole Foods, three local universities, and Miami International Airport. Abe, welcome back to WLRN and the Sunshine Economy. Are you still operating? Are you still selling food at Sushimaki's? Yeah, Sushimaki, we are still open um, at the airport. Uh, we're also open at Whole Foods Market um, at our uh, various uh, kiosks all um, throughout Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach County. And we're also open at our restaurants. Um, and there we are serving uh, delivery and, and carry-out service at our, at our full-service restaurants. How have you geared up for the takeout-only business that you've been forced into? Yeah. So it's really you know, like opening a new restaurant every other day. You know, you're, we're changing service formats. Um, you know, our business has always had a big component of off-premise. Uh, off-premise includes catering, um, uh, delivery as well as pickup. Uh, the catering has has evaporated. Um, obviously, uh, companies are no longer um, uh, having lunches during the day, and 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 no one's in you know, entertaining, so that's gone. But the delivery and, and carry out has sustained us, and fortunately, you know, our restaurants were designed. Uh, we have menus and packaging that's that's already been thought out. It's it's a completely different business. 
than the conventional restaurant business. Um, and but really, you know, this is kind of a trend that was heading already uh, for for off premise consumption. And uh, also, fortunately, we we have kind of um, the digital platforms, uh, whether it's our own app. Um, our own website or, or the third-party platforms um, that, that we're on all of them. So how is business here early on as you've had to close the in-dining experience and the catering business, as you mentioned, has evaporated? Yeah. So the the restaurants have kind of accelerated in the declines. We're down 20, down 30. Um, now we're, we're down 50 to, to 70%, depending on location. That's revenue? So, yeah, that's revenue. That's top-line revenue. I, it's, it's amazing. Just saying down 50, um, it was unthinkable, you know, a week ago. It's breathtaking, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. Are you getting those reports kind of every morning in an email? How are you learning about that? Yeah, yeah. so, you know, with technology today, you can kind of pull – and see what the sales are. So uh, looking at it midday after every day, uh, looking at um, kind of how, how you're spending on, on labor. So it's just really, uh, you know, day by day. And, and you're looking at each restaurant um, and it's four walls, you know, is it bringing in more revenue than what you're spending? And, and that's kind of how we need to look at it in order to, 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 sur- to, to survive in this environment. Can you possibly adjust the cost structures of a restaurant or a counter fast enough? Yes. Yeah, so we are on, on bare minimum um, of staffing right now. We've got um, uh, one sushi chef, uh, which normally there may be three. We've got um, uh, a walk uh, cook where usually there's there's two. So everybody has to be uh, more efficient, uh, but we have made across the boards cuts. Um, and uh, yeah. So, so across the board cuts for like hours for part-timers, you mean? Yeah, yes. Or for so, salaries for full-timers? Salaries for full-time uh, HQ um, employees were also cut. Can you tell us by how yeah. much on a percentage basis? Yeah, I, I think it goes um, uh, anywhere from 10 to, to, to 20%. Um, it varies a little bit because some uh, of our positions have a, have a commission uh, dimension to it. And obviously, you know, that is gone. So... Uh, we, we need to look at it in a way where we, we try to be as, uh, as fair and equitable as, as possible. And yeah, we're in it together. What's it mean for your employee base, for your headcount? You know, a typical restaurant has dozens of, of employees for us. And, you know, when we're bared down to, you know, six to eight, you know, we are doing our best to keep as uh, many people employed as possible um, the target is to um, to really uh, look at how much sales we can afford because you know honestly this is a marathon and we we need to to be able to um, to come out on the other side of this uh, with a company still we have wonderful people um, we have hardworking people honest um, and I think we have a solid brand and we, we just need to ride this out. So that we can make it on the other side to 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 be uh, to live another day. The entire industry has gone right from growth oriented uh, yeah. to survival. That's right. That's right. So I was on the phone with people, um, with our team, and in, in meetings, and it's a message of uh, reality uh, and one of hope. You know, and and I think you have to give both uh, in in, uh, in in a concise way, um, and uh, g- give people a sense that um, that there's something strong and secure, and uh, uh, that, that we'll get there, this together. 
And at this point, we're looking at, you know, what are the different options that the government offers in terms of um, uh, kind of the, the paid leave uh, bills? Um, I know that just came out. So uh, my wife, uh, who, who is, is my partner, um, is an attorney. We have a great uh, counsel that we're looking at all the options that are best for our team members, as well as um, in the best interest of the company going forward. Um, we, 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 we really feel that, you know, um, you know, to see what is the right kind of path to take, uh, what is the best one amongst bad solutions. Abe, are you contemplating at all closing any operations down? So at this point, the answer is no. We, we do have um, a business line with Whole Foods Market that's not thriving, but we're not down 50 there. You know, we're down um, kind of in, you know, uh, 10 plus and, and, and uh, we don't know exactly because it changes so rapidly. So, so that part of the business, uh, people are still going to grocery stores. How about from a business perspective? Do you think at some point you may have to contemplate shrinking the footprint of Sushimaki? The reality is that, um, you know, if, if it doesn't make sense for us to consolidate operations, you know, some of our locations may be close enough where um, we keep one open versus another, but kind of long term, you know, we, we uh, fortunately were conservative um, as a as a family when we open up restaurants. Um, I, I I really feel that you know you hear sixty, ninety, one twenty, you know, one sixty, you know, one hundred and fifty days. Um, our plan is to manage our, our our cash so that we can get on the other side and, and open, and that means keeping open dialogue with our landlords. Our lenders, our um, our, our suppliers. Um, you know, if, if 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 we, you know, we, we have to all come out of this together, and you have to treat each other. And, and my lawyer said that everybody takes a haircut, but hopefully nobody, you know, you know, it comes out bald because of this. You mentioned your wife as counsel. I know it's a family affair yeah. for you with your parents involved. Uh, longtime restaurateurs here, and they're involved with. Uh, with your operation, sure. uh, how difficult has it been to kind of keep them away yeah. from active duty when they're uh, among the most vulnerable age category for this yeah. virus? Yeah. So, so mom and dad uh, are the founders of Canton Restaurant. Um, you know, dad's going to be 80 this year. Mom, 77. Mom will kill me for saying that. But yeah, they're the most <laughs> vulnerable um, uh uh, kind of a population, but you know they 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 need to check in with their team. Uh, we try to do all the things with uh, keeping them distant and keeping them in the restaurant for a brief period. But um, you know, Dad came to this country with eighty dollars in his pocket, and you know, if, if his last day is kind of serving people and and being with his his um, his team, he's 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 happy doing that. So uh, th- that's been you know the hardest part is just just um, you know people you know losing a sense of. Um, Kind of, you know, the, the social fabric, because that's that's who their family is. You know, it, it's it's our family. It's the church family, which for them, you know, is, has been distant now. They're not really plugged into some of the online, you know, church services as much as you know others. And and also, obviously, the people they work with, um, you know, uh, to, uh, you know, working remotely is not an option for for what we do. A Bing is the CEO and owner of Sushimaki. After we recorded this interview last week, Ing sent me a text that he had to lay off some employees. He called it the toughest decision he had ever made in his professional life. Still to come, a story of money and the price of life while living with the new economic realities of battling the COVID-19 virus. They're both education jobs. So I will say that unlike a lot of restaurant jobs or retail jobs, they really have shut down. 
This is the Sunshine Economy. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks again for listening. All season at this time in the program, we've been bringing you financial statements, stories of money and the price of life in South Florida. Well, life has changed fast and in so many ways for so many people. Today's story is from Charlie Nolan. She's in her last semester at Broward College where she worked a part-time job in a lab. Now she's working from home and she looks forward to graduating with her bachelor's degree in May. My name is Charlie Nolan. I am 22. I live in Dana Beach, Florida, which is in southeastern Broward County, and I work as a chemistry lab technician for Broward College. I work 20 hours a week exactly as a part-time lab technician. I go in early in the mornings and I set up all of the labs that the students do. I'm also responsible for keeping the labs clean, sanitary, washing them down, resetting them in between labs, and making sure that the professors have everything they need. It's nothing too complicated, um, but it requires a lot of attention to detail and making sure that, you know, I clean everything really, really thoroughly because we're working with a lot of pretty dangerous chemicals. In one lab, the lab is the same for the entire week, so all I'm doing is just resetting in between day after day. In another room, we actually have multiple labs running on different days and sometimes multiple labs in the same day, so I have to be in there you know, every couple hours setting up a whole entirely new experiment, um, resetting a couple times, then going back again and setting up a new experiment, sometimes as early as 7 in the morning, sometimes as late as 8 o'clock at night. Our department has an online website, and we're required to keep up-to-date safety information for all the chemicals that we actually have in our lab. So what I'm doing is I'm actually going through all of the 200 chemicals that we have in our lab and checking to make sure that all of our data is updated, and if not, downloading all of the new safety data sheets that have been released by um, OSHA to refile when we get back to work. We have um, the safety data sheets for each of the chemicals that are housed in these giant binders in our prep room, so that if you spill a chemical or somebody accidentally ingests the chemical, we have a quick way to exactly look up what we need to do Um, And so those get updated, of course, regularly, and we're using this time to go ahead and go through them all again. In addition, I'm going through and doing my biannual safety training. I have to do that twice a year. And, well, I'm at home now. Why don't I do it now? It's an online training, so it's something that I can easily do here. My boss has thought of a couple more things for me to do when I get done with these things. I haven't exactly been told what they are yet, but essentially it's all things that I can sort of do online that are general maintenance things that I don't get to in the course of a week since I'm so busy setting up labs and stuff. But now that we have a little bit of time at home to focus purely on this, it's stuff that we need to do. You know, it is not a high paying job. I really would like at least 15 an hour you know, the 15 seems to me is the livable wage. And I don't get that much. I don't get quite that much. It is rough. I do have to pay quite a few bills by myself. I don't live with my parents. Um, I get a little bit of help from my grandma and my father, so I'm able to live on my own, but it is pretty touch and go every month, I won't lie. You know, I'd like to be able to do more things. I'm able to afford my bills. I'm able to eat well enough, but 
it really is tight and I find myself most months, you know, dipping into my savings, putting money on my credit card and, you know, pushing it as far as I can go. Um, I wish I could get another job, but I'm a full-time student on top of working this job and then I have a weekend job as well. So there's just really no time for me to work any more hours. So I work at a, a local synagogue in the area as a Hebrew school teacher, and it's only a couple hours a week, but I love it. It really is a labor of love. I love working with students. I love working with kids, and it helps put a little bit of extra money in my pocket, but I won't lie, I do it mostly just for the love of it. They're both education jobs, so I will say that Unlike a lot of restaurant jobs or retail jobs, they really have shut down. Um, Broward College is switching to online learning, so there's no labs running, which means there's really no reason for me to go into work. I'm very lucky. My job is purely physical, so there's really nothing for me to do online. But my boss um, went to the dean of our department and really fought for me and my other part-time part lab tech that we could get some work to do online so that we could continue getting paid. As for my teaching job on the weekends, once again, education job, we've shut down. We're doing it over Zoom. Um, I have no idea how I'm going to teach first and second graders over Zoom and keep them engaged, but I'm going to do my best. I have a feeling it's going to be a bit touch and go with them, but hopefully I can find some good videos and activities for them to do at home over the, over the video conference. I live with several people who are also workers and he's getting his hours cut at his job at a restaurant because they just said there's you know not enough people coming in and he also has to pay bills and survive on that money uh, you know another worker and my house is freelance and she's not getting a lot of jobs it's really tough on all of us I'm the luckiest out of my household because I'm still going to get paid I work very early mornings. Um, my roommates generally work nights, so we don't actually interact too much in the house. We have a group chat um, that we, we use pretty frequently to keep each other posted of how we're doing, and that's where I learned that my roommate who works at the restaurant is getting his hours cut and how um, he's hoping he doesn't get laid off. I don't know when I'm going to be able to go to work again and I have no idea how long this work at home arrangement will last. As for online classes, I'm due to graduate in May. All my professors have only ever really taught in person, so I don't know how this transition is going to go. As for the longevity of this, I have no clue. Who knows how long it'll really last. Uh, my grandmother, uh, when she's able to, gives me a little bit of extra cash. Uh, she is helping me this month as I 
recently missed a week of work due to another unrelated illness. Perfect timing. Um, and my father uh, helps me with my car. I would not be able to afford a car on my paycheck without his help. He pays for my car and car insurance um, because otherwise I just wouldn't be able to afford to have a car. School tuition is, I'm very lucky, I have the Florida um, Bright Futures Scholarship that pays for 80% of my tuition. I am not in any student debt, um, which I'm very, very lucky. And I'm graduating with my bachelor's environmental science. I'm always somebody who's trying to plan ahead and I've been sending out resumes and job applications, been doing some interviews, haven't really gotten any bites. I'm looking for jobs mostly in the environmental science field, either with the US government, the federal government, or the state government. Um, I've been working for a couple jobs in the Jewish professional field as I work as a Hebrew school teacher, but I'm really worried about how this, this pandemic is going to affect these job interviews and how many people are going to be looking at resumes and applications when they're off of work. I don't know how many people in HR are going to be showing up for work or working from home. So I'm really hoping that I, I still am able to do job interviews and plan for what happens after I graduate. But it is a little murky. It's hard to look into the future, waiting till all of this passes. I'd like to stay in Florida. Maybe not South Florida. Rent is incredibly expensive down here. Um, it's cheaper, much cheaper up north. But I really like Florida. I grew up here. My mother grew up here. Her mother grew up here. It's a beautiful state. I like the climate. I like the topography. I studied the ecosystems here. My degree is, you know, in environmental science, and I focused a lot on specifically, you know, native Florida flora and fauna. Um, so it. It makes sense for me to remain in the area that I am knowledgeable in, but if a job comes up in another area that I can afford and pays a little better, I wouldn't say no to leaving. Speaking with Broward College senior Charlie Nolan via FaceTime. Now, if you or someone you know wants to share their story of money and the price of life and how you're dealing right now with the economic realities of battling the COVID-19 virus, please email us, sunshineeconomy at wlrnnews.org. Tell us your story of money and the price of life and how it's changed, maybe considerably, in the last week or two weeks as the battle is ongoing to fight the spread of COVID-19. Our email address, sunshineeconomy at wlrnnews.org. And you can see and read all of our WLRN COVID-19 coverage by going to wlrn.org slash coronavirus. That's wlrn.org slash coronavirus. You can follow us on social media for all the latest information regarding the virus as well. We are on Twitter and Facebook. We're also on Instagram. And you can look for a podcast of this program and all WLRN Radio local programming on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. For this program, search Sunshine Economy. 
Joe Johnson is our technical director. Katie Lepre is our engagement producer. Polly Landis is our booking producer. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening.